Today's episode is presented by Yelp. Yelp's mission is to connect people with great local businesses. They also offer great solutions for restaurants looking to streamline their front of house and increase sales. Millions of diners are already using Yelp, and these products are a great way to capitalize on that network. Head over to restaurants.yelp.com forward slash full comp to claim your free page and learn more about these powerful tools for your business. Now here we go. I knew I didn't want to work 20 years to make a change. When I realized what was happening, I was like, I don't have the patience and I don't have the time. Like, let me just go and, and say what I need to say and work on what I need to work on. Because at the end of the day, I love food and beverage just like you. Welcome to Full Comp, a show offering insight into the future of the hospitality industry, featuring restaurateurs, thought leaders, and innovators, served up on the house. Are you ready to level up? The Pineapple Post has launched, and I'd like for you to be a part of it. It's a newsletter for people like you, people who want to learn and improve. It's delivered every Sunday, and it's packed with stories, videos, and audio content from the brightest minds in our industry. We're covering the latest news, innovations, and trends to inform and inspire the way you do business. When you're serious about your work and you're ready to take it to the next level, the Pineapple Post is here to help. You can sign up at pineapplepost.news. I hope you check it out. For many of us, wine is hard. It's a world with a language all its own, and there's just something about it that has always made me feel foolish. Whether by design or not, that uneasiness, that inaccessibility needs to change. One of the soldiers leading the charge towards diversity and inclusion is Julia Coney. Her mission is to bring the world of wine to underserved groups and bring diversity to the industry at large. Today, we explore her role within the industry and her efforts to make the world of wine look more like the world around us. We begin our chat with her first taste of what wine could be. Drinking wasn't a thing for me in college. I didn't go to college like, oh, I can finally drink. It was more of, I was working as a legal assistant to a gentleman who was really into wine. And one day all his wine was in front of my desk. And I was like, can you move this? Like, I can't even get to my desk. And he was like, I thought you studied abroad in France. And I'm like, yeah, but wine was cheaper to drink. Like, so you don't drink soda, you drink wine. And he invited me to his house and he did a pairing and he just sat me down and was like, I want you to taste this rib and taste this wine. Now I want you to taste this brisket and taste this wine. And the flavors was the first time I understood why food and wine went together. So it became because of that. Now, were you were you able to share with your family? You grew up Pentecostal. Yeah, no, my family was just like, oh, you like wine. Okay. They didn't judge. They just don't drink. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and they still, major, no Probably like my cousins, a little of them now drink, but the majority of my family doesn't drink. And then what what do you love about wine specifically? It tells a story, right? Wine tells a story. In, in a glass of wine, there's economics that goes into it, right? How did it go from grape to glass? Wine is agriculture, so it's farming, right? So we have that experience of that. We have how long has it been in a bottle and what is it trying to say? So it's a language that speaks to so many different people. It's also sensory perception. I always think like you have to use the senses, right? You have to use smell. Like you, you can look at the wine and say, oh, it's red or white. But when you break those other senses down as smell, 
taste. Like when you hear a sparkling wine hit the glass and you hear those bubbles, right? Or you wondering if like you open a sparkling, do you make it pop? Or do you make this slow, what I call the angel kiss, which is like, Mm -hmm. right? It has all that. So for me, wine just tells a story of what's happening in the world. And have you always had like a student's mentality? Yes, I'm a I'm a nerd at heart. I love a nerd. I love nerds. I am proud <laughs> nerd for a life. But when I want to learn something, I just kind of go down a rabbit hole. Oh, kind of like you you know if you want to research how to get like start running, like you you start like I want to put one foot in front of the other, but after a while you realize, okay, maybe I need to work on technique. Maybe I need to invest in shoes. So wine for me became that way as a hobby and not thinking it would eventually be a job. Mhm. Well, and let's talk about your background. So your background was in writing and it was 2010, you started writing about beauty. Oh, see, my background wasn't in writing. My background was in, I was a legal assistant. It was in 2006 that I started a beauty blog. And that's when I was, but I was always a kid. I have, I still have every journal I ever wrote in as a kid, like, you know, made up stories. I was just that child Mm-hmm. And I like to talk. So my family was like, you should, you probably be a lawyer because you like to argue with people. That was the whole like joke around <laughs> the family. And so when I started the beauty writing, it became something greater than I thought I wanted to do. It was like, I could see something in this and then people were reading it. It really took off. It started getting national press. And that's when I was like, okay, this could be something. It could be another career. And that's how I looked at it. And it wasn't until 2016 that I actually started writing about wine. Before we get into that, I want to go back to journaling. Yes. Um, I, I recently started journaling myself because I, the people that I know that have done it for an extended period of time get a ton of value from it, mm-hmm. whether they choose to go back and read their journal entries or not. Do you still journal? Yes. What, <laughs> I just started. Like, what do you write about? Like, it's I, I find myself looking at the page and I, I don't. Is it maybe because I'm disconnected with myself? I don't I don't know what to write. Every day is different, right? Some days it's a journal of like, I'm just so thankful. Like this morning, my journal was like about a, a club I was in in Clubhouse, a room, and just how people were talking about like mindful creativity. And then that just led to like, am I being mindful in things I do? And so sometimes it's not that. Sometimes I was like, I can't get this song out of my head. And I literally write the song write the lyrics in it. So I think when we think of journaling, it's always like, I have to write my feelings. And it's more of just, to me, just getting the noise out of my head than anything else. That And that's really what I found, right? Is that it's, it's after I'm more quiet, less contemplative, right? Because I've already put in the work early mm-hmm. in the morning. Yeah. So let's go back to 2016. You pivot yes. from the beauty blog into the world of wine. Yes. How, how was that introduction? Well, it was, I took the same skills of leaving a legal career. I, I, you know, I I decided at first I was going to keep up the beauty blog and just change it, like, and create a new blog. But I found that so many people kept Googling that they were getting confused. So I took the beauty officially down and I said, well, if I want to learn, this is something different. So I took some like creative nonfiction classes at a writer center here in DC. I started like, how do people write? And what I found, like, I didn't like writing tasting notes. I immediately did not like writing tasty notes. As much as I read them, I was like, that's not how I want to relate wine to people. Mm-hmm. So I was like, how do I write wine in a way that people get it? And I was like, I'm watching this TV show and 
they have this bottle of wine. I could be better. I could pr- pick a better wine for them. And I would base wine on like TV characters, books, anything that uh, like traveling, like instead of, and I mean, I have to write, it has aromas of cranberry, right? <laughs> but then I could say, we all have had a starburst. This reminds me of when you first bite into a chewy starburst and then you like, oh, I really, really wanted the grape one. And now I have strawberry. Mm-hmm. That's how I look at wine. And that was also your first entree into the wine industry. Yes. Was it a yes. warm reception? Well, if, when I first started, I, I Googled wine bloggers and I found like cool wine bloggers. I, you know, And then I started going to various tastings in the city and I would meet different people who wrote who worked in wine in a different business in capacity I mean like I would meet a distributor or a retailer but what I kept finding was like so many wine professionals that were black they were in my opinion they were some were like I'm a psalm and it was like you're over here as a psalm and then some people had a podcast but they also had day jobs and I didn't have a day job anymore so I was Mm -hmm. like okay how do you make money from this and that mm-hmm. was one of those things. Like, how do you make money from writing? And then when I started looking at like wine writing in general, I was like, okay, there's Dorothy Gator and there's not many other people of color that's writing about wine as a job. And that's when I was like, okay, how do I get to that? And I just was like, let me just hone and touch my craft skills of like writing. And even like doing that first 2016, I actually took, some freelance legal assistant work. I did some freelance copywriting work. So I still had like trying to make that hustle into transitioning into wine journalism. Let's talk about Dorothy Gator because I think I think she's a great mentor and her husband as well. And the way that they they made wine and and culture incredibly accessible to people by talking about not only what's in the glass, but the life around it, right? Exactly. And that's how I discovered them in Wall Street Journal in their columns, tastings, right? And they wrote, and if you ask them, they would tell you, we, did, we never wrote a wine, wine column. We wrote a column about family and love and heartbreak and romance. And wine was there, but it wasn't this. And I, I wanted to be like them. I wanted to like be under their wing. Thank God now I am, am. but it took, mm-hmm. you know, some time to really understand, like, how do we write about wine? Because there's reporting wine, but we all think about, a joyous time, a sad time, and wine could be in that part. But and that's what I wanted to write about. I wanted to write about sometimes, like what, like wine. For me, I've had a lot of loss and death in my family. Wine was at the forefront because it was like a decision I didn't have to really think about. It was okay. This person has passed. And I came home and I poured a glass of wine and I think of the good times that I talked about this wine with a person. And so it became something joyous in a, in, a, in pain. And that's why I like to write about. Well, and I think you bring up a great point, which is the transcendent nature of food and beverage. The reason that, that I chose, you know, the, this life of service and to be in the food and beverage industry is because I saw it as an opportunity to get ahead by specializing in something that people universally see value in, right? Yes. Like it's, you can't say the same thing for accounting, right? You can't. It, you can't, but everybody- No offense to accountants that's, no. that's listening. <laughs> That's it. Always looking for sponsors. I, I've always found that, you know, when you tell people, oh, I'm in food and beverage, they're universally interested, right? Yes. Because it's something we all value. 
through that, food has become a vehicle in recent years, especially for social initiatives. It's been a platform to watch things like the Me Too movement and, you know, admissions regarding addiction and substance abuse be framed mm-hmm. in like a really human and like really accessible light. And we're now seeing that in wine and in beverage generally. And we're seeing it through you and through <laughs> your words and through your platform. And I, I, wanted, I wanted to talk about that specifically um, because you walked into an institution where I'm sure there was this interesting juxtaposition. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but you felt welcome in many ways and unwelcome yes. in many ways. Um, and and you're kind of new to the game, right? Oh, yeah. people. But here's the funny <laughs> thing. People were like, oh, like they would say you're new. And I was like, oh, but I've, I've drank better than you for a very long time. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, I went to Bordeaux. I was 27 years old. Most people can't. And I didn't go for work. I went as an enjoyment, as a consumer. And I have always planned my vacations around food and wine. I want to go to mm-hmm. Spain. So someone's getting married over here. Let me go you know, a few days earlier, say a few days, like, where am I eating? I mean, you know, it's the Google spreadsheet of where I'm eating, what I'm drinking, what restaurants, what pop up, because I love food and wine. And even being new, and some people, you know, for a lot of people, I am very new to the industry, but there's a big difference when you've been in the industry and you have, you, everyone has a voice, whether or not you use that is up to you. But I knew I, I didn't want to work 20 years to make a change when right. I realized what was happening. I was like, I don't have the patience and I don't have the time. Like, let me just go and, and say what I need to say and work on what I need to work on. Because at the end of the day, I love food and beverage, just like you. Well, yeah, but there, so there are these foundational issues that you see within the industry, an industry that you're trying to get into, you're trying mm-hmm. to establish yourself in. And ironically, the way you ended up doing it was by calling out the injustices that you saw in that industry, right? Was there, <laughs> yes. was, was there fear associated with that? Absolutely. I mean, here I am, like, right, I'm new. And I remember my mother was living at the time and I told her everything that had happened in such a short amount of time within three months, like someone calling me to help someone telling me they didn't expect me to be black, just all these things. And that was a winemaker in California. And she went, well, are you going to say something or are you going to like shut up and just like say, I'm going to deal with it. And I was like, well, she was like, well, people want you to say something because if you're saying that articles that people are tagging you and don't speak to you, then you have to say something about why. You can't just say it doesn't speak to me. You have to say why. And even when I wrote that open letter to the wine industry, I did not know it would have that effect that it has had from 2018. But also I was thinking, I have nothing to lose. Mm-hmm. If this doesn't work out, I have a. I can go get another law job. I can go back to beauty writing I'm good at. That's all I kept thinking was, I don't have anything to lose. Well, you can also juxtapose where the wine industry was prior to, let's say, the issuance of, of that open letter with the spirits industry and how much yes. further along uh, the spirits industry They're is. They're so far ahead. They're so far ahead. And I couldn't, and that, that's what the thing I'm like, we all like a good cocktail. We all like a glass of wine. We make all like beer and all this. And it was just like the wine world wanted to stay in this bubble, but you can't grow in a bubble. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like, sure. we want growth, but we want to stay in this bubble. You know, we want p- people to come visit us and pay $200 for a bottle of wine. Oh, but we don't want them to actually wear 
Air Force Ones or Jordans or be loud or I'm like, we're all going to be drunk at the end of the day. So that means we all going to be tipsy. That means we're all drinking. Well, I, I heard a quote that she said, and it, and it really struck a chord. So I, I'm going to repeat it to you, and I'd love for you to explain it to me <laughs> like I'm stupid. Um, you said, uh, everybody loves Black culture, but nobody wants to be Black. Yes. So I said on that live, <laughs> everybody wants our swagger, but you don't want our struggle. Mm-hmm. When I say that, I mean, I love Beyonce. I love Drake. I know the words to the song, but then when it comes to injustices that happen to Black people, you want to stay silent. You mm-hmm. don't want to say anything. You want everybody, quote unquote, to get along. Mm-hmm. You just want to be, you want it to be better. Wanting things doesn't change things. That's why I say that. And also, you and I both know hip hop culture is pervasive in every part of any industry in the world mm-hmm. not just you know it is in food and be- definitely food and beverage but it's also in clothing it's also you know if you've ever watched fashion week they're playing hip-hop down the runway mm-hmm. selling three thousand dollar dresses and it's still a hip-hop culture but none of the models the majority of the models on that's walking at one ray don't look like anybody that they're playing the music from so mm-hmm. you know you've been to those restaurants where it's loud and what is it playing hip-hop you know, 90s classic or 90s R&B or something like that. That's Mm -hmm. why I said that. Because to not speak up when you see something happening to another person is to me one of the worst things a person could do to stay silent. Well, it's what do we say in the South? Don't talk about it, be about it. Don't talk about it, be about it. (laughs) Yeah, so if you're going to be about it and you're going to be like, oh, I love this person and I love this artist and da-da-da, then you need to actually stand up when injustices happen to those people that you actually like. I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, the two big issues that I see in wine today are that wine culture isn't created for the masses, especially especially, uh, people of color. Um, And then Black culture doesn't play a vital role in the industry, and it should. Well, also, there's these, you know, think about what wine happened. Think about, let's talk about wine. When we talk about farming, and then when people are, like, trying to explain wine to people who maybe never, who grew up, you know, if you think about people who not growing up with wine on the table, that's most Americans. Mm -hmm. A lot Mm -hmm. of people, like, their families may be in food and wine, and that's different. But in Europe, that culture is wine has been on the table since since people are babies, right? They Mm -hmm. see this product, right? But here, and when we think about wine, the images and the advertising that you have seen has always been non-people of color, primarily white people. Mm -hmm. That's It's not that the people in the ad did anything. It's the people that created the ad. Mm -hmm. So if you want wine to look different, you want it to look older, not just older and white, just older in general, because also Mm -hmm. the world is obsessed with youth. Youth is, we need millennials, but we also need the boomer dollars and we need generation X, gen X, like myself money as well. Mm -hmm. So how do you have marketing that reflects all that? Because most people have three generations in their family. Mm-hmm. Why doesn't the wine world advertising reflect that? I couldn't agree with you more. Now, since you started advocating, we have seen movement. And, and yes. you you have started a movement. Will you talk about some of the changes that you've seen? So before, anytime I, I like would take master classes with different consortiums, it was always a white guy or a white woman. 
maybe a few people of color sprinkled in, just rare. Now you, I see more access for people of color who are leading these classes, who may have been in a business 20, 30 years, which is great. I also see more people getting invited in the Zoom audience. Like if I look at the gallery now, the audience now looks like a room of color. Had this been last year, this room looks very different. Mm-hmm. Right. I would have probably been the only person, a couple of other people. But it's nice to see because all of us bring something so different to wine. And it also thinks think about our food culture. Right. You're not from the South. We bring a different food culture to sure. wine. Mm-hmm. Like I'm always thinking, like, what can I pair my wine? Is it going to be gumbo, jambalaya, etouffee, a, a meat pie, a crawfish pie, fried chicken, fried okra? that's going to be a very different cuisine if somebody grew up on the West coast, maybe they don't, mm-hmm. they, you know, they're bringing, I don't know, something so different. Right. But how do we blend all these nuances that make up these individuals in wine, but also make up the world. For sure. And, and I think that that diversity serves both the wine industry and the wine consumer. Well, diversity is good for business at the end of the day is good for business. I mean, Right. If we think it like you go back to the spirits world, we've mm-hmm. all seen. I mean, you know, I I mean, I, I and I, I love seeing Puffy on a plane, you know, peddling Ciroc. Mm-hmm. I don't personally may not drink Ciroc, but I love seeing him on a plane and having a fabulous time. Like, oh, OK, that's a great ad. Like, great. It's fun. Right. It's not mm-hmm. just let me have my, you know, shaken and not stirred or stirred and not shaken martini with the olives and I have to be dressed up. That's great, too. I like all of it because we can all exist in that world it can be high and low mm-hmm. but but you know there's nothing wrong with directing traffic especially to the voices that are heard less and you've done that with the blackwineprofessionals.com can you talk about that site and that initiative well i i started it because before all of you know everything happened with the pandemic i would be on these trips so i get asked to you know media trips can you come explore the region to be able to write about it And I remember someone from a PR telling me, because I was like, I can't go on another trip. Like, I'm exhausted, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you go on those, they'll still work. They're fun when you see the Instagram reel. But in reality, you're up at eight, you go to bed at two. And my editors back home didn't care that I was on a trip. They were like, your story still do. I still need these edits. Mm -hmm. And I remember she was saying, I don't know that many Black wine professionals. And that's when I said, It was an idea, not really thinking about it, but it wasn't until June that I said, if I had a voice, how do I create it for the people who are already in the business? Not trying to get into the business because there are great organizations that are doing that. I'm trying to uplift the people currently in the business. Maybe you're in marketing, you want to move into distribution. So a lot of the wine world just reaches out to me and say, hey, I have a position and I blast this to everybody on the list. And some some people get jobs from that. And that's my mm-hmm. goal is to use this list as a resource in a database. That's really what it is. Well, you've used your voice as a platform. And, and yes. it's it's so yes. inspiring to see, especially in this moment. I if you had told me four years ago that I, you and I would be on a call talking about this, I would have like, no way. No, like, no. But now that I have it, the platform, I'm very thankful to have so many conversations with people who also want to affect change and maybe they don't know how. Mm -hmm. They're like, just like, I don't know what to do because we all make mistakes. And I always tell people, we're all going to say something wrong. Just go with it. Just know that we all make mistakes. We're all human. 
And it's also a marathon and not a sprint. So change, some change can come quickly. Some have to take a lot of time. You know, I, I'm definitely, I definitely understand that this new endeavor was born because someone had to die. We all had to see George Floyd on camera, but also that has been happening, but because of the pandemic, everyone was home to watch it. Mm-hmm. And that, Really, and so it's not for my industry. I want it to look like the people I know consume wine, which is so many different races, so many different age groups. And you know, I also talk about too, like the wine industry and millennials. It's not just about race, it's also like millennials. My job is not to like millennials' music. You know how it is. Your parents didn't like your music, my parents didn't like mine. I'm not supposed to like theirs. But when it comes to wine, we have to bring in these new this new these new voices to actually drink the wine to further it along mm-hmm. i i couldn't agree with you more i one of the last things i wanted to touch on with you because i, I think it's such a relevant topic in this moment is that your life over the last 4 years has taken so many unexpected <laughs> twists and turns um and that's you know 2020 that was everybody's life and you, you've handled it all with such grace and, and it seems like such patience for yourself and, and you know, the, the high moments and the low moments. What, what I'd love to know is, you know, what, what was your guiding light? What has been your thought process through these times of great change? So I think of my mother, who my mother, before she passed away in 2018, she was just no nonsense about a lot of stuff, right? She was an educator, she was a teacher and she's like, Oh, girl, you're not going through anything. You just talk about grapes. I remember her saying this to me (laughs) when I was like, I don't know. And she was like, people have went through worse than you. But every revolution needs people to go with it, right? And so I think about that. I have a great network of friends. I know how to actually relax. A lot of times people are like, you're so busy. I'm like, I read a book a week. I know how to like turn my phone off at 10 p.m. every night. And I know how to exercise and take care of myself. I know when I'm like need more water, but I always tell people I function better and my fuel is bubbles. Mm-hmm. When I think about bubbly wine, champagne, sparkling, whatever, you know, whatever you want to drink, Prosecco, Cava, all this, I think that I am blessed to be in this business because, like you said, I could be crunching numbers. Or I could be, you know, in doing a lot of other stuff, which is fun. But at the end of the day, I want to make change and create a space in the wine world where everyone feels welcome. I want the wine world to be like cheers. Remember when Norm walked in, everybody knows your name, like, hey, Norm. Mm-hmm. I want the wine world to be like that. I want when you people walk in and taste wine, I want people to feel special. Whether they're buying a, a expensive bottle of wine or not, I just want people to feel special whenever they drink wine. It's so inspiring. It really is. I I love you to death. It's it's an industry podcast. And at the end of every episode, I like to give the guests an opportunity to speak directly to the audience. Do you have any advice or words of encouragement you'd like to share? So I'm going to tell all the audience. First, this has been a year. Of, a lot has happened. This is a year of reckoning and revolution. But I will tell yourself, if you are interested in making substantial change in this business, Remember, it's a marathon, not a sprint. Give yourself grace. You can't do this alone. And also drink more bubbles. That's Julia Coney. For more on Julia and her initiatives, go to juliaconey.com.
If you want to tell us your story, hear previous episodes, check out our video content, or read our weekly blog, go to joshkopel.com. That's J-O-S-H-K-O-P-E-L.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, please leave us a review. A special thanks to Yelp for helping us spread the word to the whole hospitality community. I'm Josh Kopel. You've been listening to Full Comp. Thank you.